0: sligger and rick briggs
1: welcome back to an all-new episode of the asylum fantasy sports show on the asylum fantasy sports network and asylum sports.com flying solo once again wellington J. briggs the fourth the biggest and brightest produce mogul east of the mississippi is unable to join us today if I'm not mistaken, we didn't talk much, but I'm pretty sure, if I understood it correctly, he is supervising the completion of his Scrooge McDuck vault, uh, if you remember that, from DuckTales, so he can uh, put on his one-piece bathing suit and and do the backstroke within his millions of dollars. So you're stuck with just me tonight. So, uh, hey, do me a favor. Uh, 646-478-4679, come in and help me out here. Hopefully we can get Briggs back real soon very important to get that vault done he he's a he's a billionaire and he's got to protect that or he's dead uh, which we hope not but that's possible too I uh, did have a little text communication i asked him if he was going to make it and the response was quite simply no all night with exclamation so i don't know what that means i so it's good to know i think he's alive anyhow so Hopefully we get him back in. Hopefully he gets that vault done and uh turns those millions into billions. So so much to get to week six in the or week five in the books, time for week six. You need a win. I need a win. You know, talk about uh you know, I said it on this show, and you need to listen to me. Everybody wants these shows where you listen in and you got two guys generally Either a combined 700 pounds, not that there's anything wrong with that. I understand uh, fat shaming's a thing, and we can't do that now. And uh, maybe let's face it, I'm no uh, no uh, athlete myself at this point in my life, or a couple of guys with uh, pocket protectors and um, tape on their glasses, just vomiting stats at you. And those can be helpful, certainly. <laughs> you got to know the stats, and we're going to talk a lot of stats later in this show. But there's other things you need to know and other things you need to do to to keep up and really give yourself an edge. And one thing I've told you on this show time and again, and I told you in an earlier episode, that pay attention to when I make a trade. Because one of two things, if not both, are going to happen when I make a trade. Either the guy I made the trade for is going to go on a two- or three-week slide, which didn't necessarily happen in this case, but we'll get into that, or the the garbage that I traded away will go completely nuts. And then this is sort of what happened. So in the league of consequence, the league that uh, Wellington J. Briggs the fourth is the commissioner of the Caveman League that we talk about so much on this air, much to your chagrin, I'm certain. i was sitting at 3 and 1, feeling pretty good. Went with the no RB strategy and was struggling with a little bit. Was getting lucky to get wins quite frankly. It quite often would come down to one guy going completely nuts, yeah you know, I was rolling out there at the wide receiver position with uh deAndre hopkins with uh with uh yeah i i just i uh, blanked on who my team was but but needless to say my my two running backs were doug martin. And then my second was any combination of Rashad Jennings of uh, David Johnson, who, who we'll get we'll get into here shortly, and various other garbage like that. So I decided, I said Rick, you know that, that, that's what I that's what I call myself when, I, when I'm talking to myself. I said Rick, Mike Evans is not performing. The, he was the the third receiver I took in my my no running back strategy, this isn't quite working out. So, I I, pack, I took Mike Evans, packaged him up with various trash, tried to move him for a running back. When that didn't work, I thought, all right, well, if we're going to employ the no running back strategy, let's bolster this receiver core. Odell Beckham's been good, but underwhelming. And I expect him as Eli plays better as uh, Ruben Randall starts to pick it up a little bit as Victor Cruz should someday I would think be able to get on the field. I think big things are coming from Odell. So there's a winless team out there winless because uh, they drafted CJ Anderson in the first round, which I warned you against here on this air all summer with that. That'll, uh, That'll make more sense as you uh, as you listen to this story. So I put up my Doug Martin. I put up my – I actually wanted to keep David Jennings along with Mike Evans for Odell Beckham. And he's looking to unload C.J. Anderson. And we'll get into C.J. a little bit later. And I thought, what the heck? Let's go all in. I uh, managed to actually pick up Jonathan Stewart off the waiver wire, a guy I'm not a huge fan of. But I think a sort of a solid – type of running back that that I that I'd feel comfortable with. And I'm going to uh squirrel CJ away, hoping he might turn it around. And now (laughs) with his hamstring injury to to Ronnie Hillman, maybe it gives him the opportunity. He saw the last few drives, although not a lot of the ball at the end of the game against Oakland. That was just one of those defensive nightmares that that crushes the hopes of any fantasy owner. And uh, sorry about that Latavius Murray picked Dean. I don't remember who our other options were. I'm not sure they performed any better, but we will apologize for shoving uh Latavius down your throat. That didn't work out quite as I expected. So that was the deal. It came back, he wanted David Johnson. All right, with Andre Ellington coming back, bleh, whatever. David Johnson, you can have him. Fine. So it's Mike Evans, it's Doug Martin, and it's C and it's uh David Johnson for Odell Beckham and C.J. Anderson and, and some other piece of garbage. I don't even remember. But those are those are the big players. And I told everyone about this in one form or the other on the inside slant. So two lessons to be learned here. Number one, you need to be listening to all the shows, on the, not only on this network, but especially uh, when your boy's out there and you need to be listening to that inside slant. Even if we, uh, we bone Dean a little bit, we generally give uh, pretty good information. Keeping a loose tally of it, I think we're about seventy to seventy-five percent on our predictions, which I think is pretty good. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It feels pretty good. Yeah, it's a C, and that's always what I've uh, I've attained to, and I think the the quality of this show bears that out. That you will see student theory. So, what do you think happened? Well, you know what happened. Doug Martin went completely nuts, found the end zone twice over a hundred yards. David Johnson had one of them Jerome Bettis-type stat lines where he touched the ball all three or four times and got in the end zone. What what did he end up with, seven, eight touchdowns? I I don't remember exactly what it was. I left five touchdowns on the board. Odell Beckham had a nice game, banged up his hamstring, missed a good portion of the fourth quarter. C.J. Anderson did what C.J. Anderson does and what I predicted C.J. Anderson would do and not sure why I put myself in that mess. And I'm now 3-2, and and the the once uh, winless team in my league is 1-0. and Now, that being said, I think this deal works out for me later, the way my team is constructed. I've got Antonio Brown, who when Ben comes back, uh, that's 30 points a week. And we might get into that a bit later. We'll see. DeAndre Hopkins, my friends, is the real deal. If I get Odell Beckham going, and he's healthy, Odell Beckham is in the same realm He's somewhere between Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. So I think the trade still works out. And I've said on this air, as much as I hate C.J. Anderson, and I don't think he gets back to the production we saw in the second half of last season, I think at some point C.J. Anderson becomes at least viable low-end RB2. If I can get that also with a low end RB two, high end RB three production out of Jonathan Stewart it, while he's on the field, and then hopefully Cameron Artis Payne, I think I'm going to be all right there. But the lesson you got to learn, you got to pay attention and you got to listen to these shows. You should have known, being that I traded him away to get Doug Martin and get David Johnson in your lineups. Now Mike Evans didn't pan out for you, but you're probably starting him anyhow. So you got to. You, you got to do it. You got to fade me when I'm making deals. And I make sure to tell you about every ridiculous trade I make because that's the type of fantasy advice you get here at the Asylum and it can't be beat. So uh, enough of that. Enough of that convention. Let's hop into a few of the headlines. I'm going to do game balls. I'm going to do stinky socks. I, I want to whine and pout and cry about Roger Goodell a little bit here. Save that for the end because I know you all tune out before that happens. That probably ought to be enough. I, I'm not gonna predict any games. We'll save that for the slant, but we'll see where the show goes here. The big news, wow, devastating. Devastating for fantasy owners, devastating for the Kansas City Chiefs, and devastating for this kid. Jamal Charles out for the season. Torn ACL, non contact. Hate to see ones like that. Puts his foot, plants his foot in the ground and it just goes. Terrible break nothing you can do about it second uh second big chunk of a season he's going to miss due to a knee injury kills the Kansas City Chiefs offense which is effective best as it is and you take this type of weapon out so you have two questions when something like this happens specifically what does it mean to the team And by that, I don't care about Kansas City's wins and losses. I'm sure you Chiefs fans do. But in general, a fantasy owner doesn't care about a team's wins and losses. But what does it mean for the other fantasy-relevant players? Alex Smith's teetered on the edge. I don't think I'm going to spend any time talking about Alex Smith. What's it mean for Travis Kelsey? What's it mean for Jeremy Macklin? The, The other question then you have to ask yourself is, Who's replacing Jamal Charles? And we don't know who that is yet. And once we determine who's going to replace him, what type of production can we expect there? So I'll get to that in a second. Let's start out with what's it mean for Travis Kelsey? What's it mean for Jeremy Macklin? Travis Kelsey, to me, is who we thought he was. Who I thought he was. Not who you thought he was. Who I thought he was.
0: But they are who we thought they were.
1: And we let them off the hook. Everyone penciled in, wrote down, and made it gospel that Travis Kelsey was the second coming of Tony Gonzalez coming into this season. Man, week one, bared that out. And I believe it was week three or four, one of those two weeks, bared that out. Now coming off, uh, and we'll get into it in the Smelly socks probably, I think coming off a three-catch performance, that we've seen a couple of those. He's got the ability, but Andy Reid hates productive players. Remember that. Write that down. Anybody who produces for Andy Reid, he is going to bury and make them disappear about fifty. This is why you can't trust a Travis Kelsey. If they cut him loose, if he's the focus of the offense that day, Travis Kelsey will have big games. And in the right offense, imagine Travis Kelsey in New Orleans where they're desperately missing Jimmy Graham. He would put up Jimmy Graham-like numbers. It's not going to happen in Kansas He's going to do it on various weeks, every other week, every couple of weeks. He may have back-to-backs. But you're going to see several of these three – four, five-catch performances. If you take five, you're going to see two and three-catch performances. I don't think that changes. I don't think you can lean heavier on Travis Kelsey. Perhaps it gives him a few looks. Maybe some of those looks that were going to go to Jamal Charles could go to Travis Kelsey, but I don't think a big change. Jeremy Macklin is so outperformed my expectation. It's great to see this is who Jeremy Macklin is. And it's nice to see Alex Smith able to get the ball downfield a little bit. He's not going to get in the end zone. I guess he did once uh, several weeks back. But he's not going to get in the end zone a ton. But I think you expect the same, if not more, out of Jeremy Macklin. I think Kansas City sees themselves in more third and long situations. And if, and this is a big if, if Alex Smith is willing to risk, take any risk whatsoever and push the ball up the field, Jeremy Macklin's the one and only downfield target. I think the production we see, I think a lot of us were, were sitting here waiting for that to to back down a little bit. I think you could see that production now stay steady. I don't know how much it increases because this offense just isn't going to get any better, obviously, without a Jamal Charles. But I think you could see him hold the line on these seven, eight, nine catch type of performances. May not always be for big yardage, but I think it's going to be there. So now let's move on to the backup running back situation. When Charles has been out in the past, in the recent past, we've seen Niall Davis come in and be very successful, very dynamic, arguably a fantasy RB one in the absence of Jamal Charles. But and here's the problem, and what do you make of one half less than one half of football? After a big injury, when West sees seven carries to Davis's two. I know they like West. I, I don't know a ton about him. I, I'm not even sure how you say that is It's I hope I'm saying that right, or that Ajayi douche. Well, I'll be writing in how disappointed he is again. But Sharkandrick West, I know they like him. I know he's more of a dynamic guy, maybe closer to a Jamal Charles skill set than Nile Davis. So I think he was the hot pickup and based on getting the bulk of the workload coming off of that injury. I'm not so certain of that. I mean, the answer is going to be sitting here right now. I I frankly don't know. I'm going to err on the side of a a 50-50, 60-40 RBBC type of situation, which is no good. But if I'm out, if my waivers run tonight, which your waivers probably ran tomorrow, so this might be – Closing the barn door after the horses get out, but I'm going to err on the side of Nile Davis. I'm going to err on the side of the guy that's done it, and and he's done it well, and and he's done it successfully. That's the direction I'm going to go if I'm going to spend big free agent dollars. And both West and Davis were going, on average, in, in a $200 free agent budget in the $60 range. So if I'm going to spend that type of free agent dollars, if I'm desperate, I actually made a play for West thinking he'd be the cheaper option and got outbid. So, so I stayed out of it. I I think Briggs actually, if I saw correctly managed to get Nile Davis, I'm not sure, sure what he paid for that, but I tend to tend to side with Rick here. I think, I think Davis is Davis is going to be the guy long-term. I think they're going to try to work West in based on that skill set. But I think long-term, Davis has been there, Davis has done that, and he's done it well in real-game situations. West is sort of that change-of-pace guy that gets lost in that Kansas City offense because Jamal Charles is his own change-of-pace guy. We don't know. I think it's going to take a couple of games to bear out. I think Andy Reid is going to drive you insane because you're not going to know. But if I gotta pick one, and if I'm in bye week hell this week, and I, and a lot of you may be, and I gotta slide one of them into my lineup, I'm gonna err on the side of Davis, and and I'm gonna feel pretty good about it. I think the cream's gonna rise to the top. I think if you're in a big situation, if they can keep this game close this week, I think you're gonna give the rock to the guy who's been there, who's done that, and who's done it well. So uh, devastating fantasy owners, the Chiefs and uh all the best to Jamal Charles. Hope he bring hope he gets it back. How about Matt Castle? The Cowboys on a bye this week, Matt Castle getting the start. What does that mean? Nothing. Quite frankly, it just means nothing. Uh, you, you look, the weed man, yeah, seventy percent completion percentage. the problem is the ball wasn't going anywhere. Castle may be a guy that'll force the ball up the field a little bit, but the Who? You don't trust Terrence Williams. Yeah, enough with the Cole Beasley talk. Quit bringing me Cole Beasley. Quit tweeting me about Cole Beasley. Quit calling the slant about Cole Beasley. Enough. Cole Beasley. He stinks. He's one of those guys I think I've talked to. I don't remember what show I've talked about it on. I won't go completely into the ramp. Got a lot to get done tonight. But he's the guy you're watching the game. It seems like he's involved in every play, it seems like he catches every ball. And you go back and look at the stats, and he had four catches for uh, 32 yards. He's just sort of omnipresent for whatever reason, and I think the the networks like him and the announcers like him, so it's a bigger deal every time he touches the ball. So you, you got nothing in Cole Beasley, till Tony Romo, until Des Bryant gets back. This is just a situation to stay away from. Now I was going to do this in the balls and in the socks, but but let's do it right here. What what do we make of Darren McFadden? He didn't didn't run the ball much. Uh, let me uh, unprofessionally flip through my papers here. But Darren McFadden, only five carries, sixteen yards. Obviously, when Randall's healthy, he's going to be the guy. But it seems like he's taking over that Dunbar role. Nine catches, sixty-two yards. Didn't have the yardage. You know, we saw Dunbar tickling a hundred, if not over a hundred, on a couple of occasions this week or this week this season. Darren McFadden, less yards, but nine catches. Now, I wish I wish the Weed man was going to stick around because I think that could be a very steady stat line for Darren McFadden. If you're in a PPR league, you get 15K, 15 points out of Darren McFadden, 16 points actually, boy, you'd be thrilled with that. He's a guy who was a throwaway. He's your fourth running back on your bench, and you could slide him in. So we know Weed loved to use Dunbar, and then for one week, Darren McFadden. Now we got a question mark there with, with Matt Castle getting the start. You know, I don't know. I still have to assume. I keep thinking, and I thought it would be with Whedon, that we, we would see Witten take a big bump forward, bailing the guy out. But Whedon seemed to rely on the running back. So with Castle, maybe your only fantasy-relevant running back or receiving threat now could be Whedon. But McFadden's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. McFadden's interesting here coming off those nine catches. I always felt, even when he was in Oakland, the three or four games a year he would play, that that's where his value was. That's where he was most dangerous, is giving him the ball in space. He's not a power back. He's got the speed and he's got the elusiveness once he gets out in the open. So if you work him into the passing game, if this is a big part of Garrett's game plan in the absence of Tony Romo, Something to keep an eye on. So an early early game ball for for Darren McFadden there, but but very interesting. We'll see if the game plan is the same with Matt Castle as it was with with uh, with the Weed Man. Uh, Steelers activate Martavis Bryant. Not sure it matters. Uh, just not sure. I think what it does, it, it changes nothing with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. If anything's gotten better in the absence of Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown's basically disappeared. Listen, uh, one o'clock Eastern, Network dot com on Saturday. I did a did a full segment on on Antonio Brown and, and what we're going to do with him up up to and until Ben Roethlisberger officially comes back, which <laughs> he's threatening to this week. I don't think it's going to happen. Participated in the seven on seven, uh, heard him on, he he does a spot on, on local radio here in the area where he basically said he he's good to go forward and back, but his lateral motion is, is what they're still working on. I don't see, look, he's not the Ben Roethlisberger of even four and five years ago where all of his skill, all of his yardage comes from his elusiveness, but I think it's still necessary I don't think this Arizona defense is the team to bring him back against, and I'm not certain he's there. I, I think the good news for Steeler owners, for, for Steeler owners, for Steeler fans, well, it's probably good for the Roonies too. But for Steeler fans and for Antonio Brown owners and Heath Miller owners, it looks like Ben's ahead of schedule, and it wouldn't stun me then if he's back in Week Seven. If there's already rumblings, he's going to come back in six. Yeah, this could have been up to a six-week injury early in week, uh, third week of it. So, looks like he's ahead of schedule, which is great news. He's a tough kid. He'll tell you about it, which is always frustrating, but he's a tough guy and uh, good news there. But, but back, to, back to Martavis Bryant. If you're in real trouble this week, Martavis Bryant could be a play. All the talk about he was Vic, go to guy in the preseason. He was, he had his most success in the preseason games with Vic. They had the rapport in practice with Vic. All true. It all has meaning. But I think what we saw save for one pass and then one drive in the fourth quarter was Michael Vick just didn't very good. It's a shocker, right? You know, it sound the alarm for that one. I don't know, Do I have an alarm? Well, let me look here. Uh, alarm, alarm. There we go. That sounds like an alarm. I want to do that again. So, uh, big news. Michael Vick isn't very good. But the point being, Steelers don't trust him to put it downfield. You know, we all heard the news that the the play call that Marcus Wheaton took for the 70-yard touchdown was actually... A Ben Roethlisberger design, he obviously has more faith in him than Todd Haley, but I don't know how many calls they're going to let Ben call this week. The other important thing to remember is, well, there is a average as safe as the numbers looked against San Diego. He should have had three pick sixes. San Diego dropped three that would have gone back to the house. So I think they're going to limit his opportunities against an Arizona defense that – is terrifying, quite frankly, that the turned Matt Stafford over 42 times, I believe, conservatively in the first half of that game. They got Matt Stafford uh, planted down on the bench, if, if you'll recall, and, and for good reason. All that said, a uh, long way to a to a short end. If you're desperate, Bryant may be a play here based on all that rapport we talked about for what it's worth. But number two, in limited opportunities, in limited spaces, seems like Darius Hayward Bay has been Vic's go-to. Again, limited, but you saw it more on Thursday and caught the touchdown pass. You saw it the big third down play on the final drive, had a couple other looks, had a couple of grabs. That's the position that Martavis Bryant's going to slide into. So that's the direction, I think that Vic's comfortable throwing to, and then you put his boy, Brian, in, bigger target, better hands, and a guy he seems to be more comfortable with, Bryant may have some value here, and certainly more getaway, more get off ability than a Darius Hayward. It's going to be a desperation pick. I'm going to recommend sitting him. But if you're in a tight spot, Bryant may be the guy here, and over, quite frankly, an Antonio Brown, if you're looking to start one of those guys. So uh, we talked about Ben. Marshawn Lynch expected to go this week. Uh, Talked about it a lot on the Fantasy Sports Network show. You certainly can can check that out, and I I hope that you do, and I ask that you do. So I'll just sum it up here. I'm avoiding Marshawn Lynch this week. Thomas Rawls had such a huge game against Cincinnati and looked so good. Again, not breaking any news there. I have no fear that he takes Marshawn Lynch's job away. I, I truly don't in the long term. This is beast mode. He is a big, big reason. And the main reason to me offensively, anyhow, that that team's been to back-to-back Super Bowls. I don't think they're going to make her, make her this year, but that's a different conversation. But I think in the short term, you know, Lynch is coming off of two injuries. I think in the short term, you're going to limit his work and split that work with Rawls. Now, don't panic. I don't think this is going to be a long-term throughout the season. I think once Lynch is reestablished and 100% healthy and and being beast mode and doing what beast mode does, I think Rawls takes a step back. He does what what backup backs do. He spells him for a series here and there. I don't think he's any threat to take significant carries long-term, but I think this week against Carolina, I think he sees a lot of work, so I'm staying away from Marshawn Lynch. I convinced about Odell Beckham. Ronnie Hillman tweaked the hamstring. Going to be a question mark. I think at best he's going to be limited. At worst, he's going to be out. Broncos taking on a terrible, terrible, god-awful, nasty, stinky, stinking, terrible, awful Cleveland running defense. If C.J. Anderson is going to get off, This is going to be the week. And now I'm rooting for it against it for so long. I'm rooting for it after the aforementioned trade. But I think C.J. Anderson could could be a sneaky play here this week with Ronnie Hillman nicked up a little bit. If it doesn't happen this week, it's not going to happen. And and I'm going to recommend just dropping him. And Tyrod Taylor practiced today, but reports out he could miss multiple weeks with a sprained MCL. He's saying he expects to play. I'll tell you what, if E.J. Manuel is starting for that Buffalo team, it gets real ugly for everybody real quick, including the running backs. Not that it could get a whole lot uglier than it was last week in that uh, improbable win against the Tennessee Titans. So here we go. I killed a half an hour. I am freaking good. I killed a half an hour there basically on nothing. So So let's get to what you listen to this show for. Game balls, stinky socks. I'm knocking my microphone away. Got, got so much going on here. It, it, it It's tough. It's tough doing this on your own, wouldn't you say? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that, that's just pathetic. All right. Well, Wellington apparently doesn't want to hear it. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not that simple. So, game ball. Is, here we go. got to start with don't feel like we talk about this cat enough. The Andre Hopkins Eleven for a buck thirty nine, and this is becoming a, a real common stat line for this kid. This kid's a real deal. He's matchup proof and he's quarterback proof. He gets open. He's the only option that they have there in Houston. And he still manages to get open. Tons of yak. And I think it could get better for him. I, I think it could as you as you get Arian Foster back and becoming a threat. And I expect nice things from Arian Foster this week back and healthy. Uh, extra long rest coming off a Thursday night game. But DeAndre Hopkins' game ball, wow, this guy's going to finish in the top five or six uh, of wide receivers, uh, no doubt about it. And guy who was a question mark, a guy I was, I feel like I'm uh, patting myself on the back here a good bit in this show, but a guy I was high on in in the preseason, but uh, considered a question mark by a lot. You wondered, could DeAndre Hopkins do it? as the number one with Andre Johnson leaving town and (laughs) the answer is a big old emphatic. Yes. So, uh, congratulations game ball, Deandre Hopkins. All right. Stinky socks here. How about Jeremy Hill? Eight carries 13 yards. I put Jeremy Hill in the CJ Anderson category. And there's one reason, and one reason alone, he's not being talked about when we're all kvetching about CJ. That Jeremy Hill quite often is being left out of this this discussion. It's the five touchdowns, and that's what saved him. Here's the problem, guys: these five touchdowns have come in two games, and there may be more opportunities like that in the future. I can't explain what it is with Jeremy Hill. He looks so good in week one. But we're talking to Jeremy Hill, who is averaging only 11 carries a game. He's only caught two balls all season. Gio Bernard, on the other end, only getting 13 carries a game himself, but he's getting 17 receptions. And in offense, it's going pass first, quite frankly, as Andy Dalton has all of a sudden Peyton Manning to 10 years ago. Andy Dalton looks like the real deal. And ride that horse until the playoffs, when when it all comes undone for him. But that has no fantasy effect for you. So Jeremy Hill, the question becomes: Do we sit around, plug him in our lineups week in and week out, wait for him to have these big touchdown games, wait for him to get these goal line carries? And there's going to be plenty in the Cincinnati offense as they continue to move the ball. I don't think it gets a lot better. I really don't. I think Gio Bernard has played so well and fits so well in the way Andy Dalton is doing things right now. I think he's going to be on the field more. He's going to get more opportunities. Now, I think any opportunity within the five, within five yards is going to be Jeremy Hill because five times he's shown the ability to get that done. But between the 20s, week in and week out, a guy you drafted as your number one running back, I don't think you can trust him. I don't think it's always going to be as bad as eight for 13. But if he's averaging 11 a game, even if you get him up to four yards a carry, hell, I'll give him five yards a carry. Now you got 11 for 55, and you're hoping for a touchdown. And he's not going to catch the ball. That's Gio's job. Jeremy Hill's a guy you got to stay away from. And this one surprises me. For all the – myself on the back, Jeremy Hill, I, I sang his praises to all the way to the heavens. All off season. This guy I was in love with. I thought he phased Geo out, quite frankly. I mean, it hasn't worked out that way, and I don't see Cincinnati changing things. Why would you <laughs> roll roll the the hot hand while you got it? The, the what are they call the red rocket. The, the, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> You're not going to change anything. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's rough. It's it's scary. Uh, I think I, I take a step back and Jeremy Hill. If I leave two or three touchdowns on the bench one week, if it saves me four or five other weeks of heartache, it's a chance I'm willing to take. Uh, Let's move on here. How about a game ball? Jamison Crowder down there in Washington. Eight catches, 87 yards. Our son's done a great job of being the possession guy, being the go-to guy for a questionable, uh, scary Kirk Cousins. Jamison Crowder continues to put up numbers. He's become – I don't want to compare him to Deshaun Jackson, but he's the guy they tend to work the ball more down the field with in the absence of Deshaun Jackson. Boy, and everything we heard about Deshaun was true about how it takes him uh, a lot longer to heal and come back from things. you got where it looked like Ben Roethlisberger's leg – got severed quite frankly and they talked about a six-week injury and he's threatening to try and come back in three. Deshaun pulled a hamstring the first play of the game and we haven't heard or seen hiding or hair of him ever since and that says a lot about Deshaun so in his absence Jameson Crow- Crowder is a the guy they trust, the guy they're consistently getting the ball to. Now, this week may be a little tough going up against that Jets defense. I think that humbles the entire Washington offense, quite frankly. This guy worth worth a waiver wire pickup, worth a flex play in a PPR format. I don't think you're going to see a lot of 120-yard, multiple touchdown games, but six, seven, eight catches, I think write it down, especially with Jordan Reed out as they look for look for options in that offense. Jameson Crowder, hats off to you, game ball. So let's jump over, find a stinky sock here. Here's one that's disappointing. TJ Yeldon, eleven carries, thirty-two yards. Blah. coming off a twenty-yard, twenty carry, hundred-yard touchdown game last week. TJ Yeldon comes back to to this stat line that, that was quite familiar early on in the season. Now he got that weird shootout against Tampa Bay. I understand, but Tampa Bay was running the ball. It was never out of hand for, for Jacksonville. Blake Bortles is putting it together. He's putting it together quite well, and I'm not sure I have. I don't have Bortles down for for a game ball. But here we go again, over 300 yards in the end zone twice. I believe he's been in the end zone nine times since week two. And as we, uh, he was my start on the Fantasy Sports Network show this week. With the way Hearns and Robinson are performing, I think Jacksonville's working themselves towards a passing team. TJ Yeldon makes me nervous. This guy's a bi week play and injury replacement guy. It's just not happening. He's got the skill set, and I think long-term he's going to be fine. But what this team is, as poor as they are defensively, the way they're having to play from behind and the way Blake Borles is playing, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. T.J. Yeldon's a guy I don't trust in a big old stinky sock this week. Coming off that big game, got owners excited, 11 for 32. Shame on you, T.J. Have a big old smelly sock. So let's get back to the positive. I already talked about the Doug Martin. will do it again, 24, a buck 23, a touchdown, a receiving touchdown. I should give him a game ball, but I traded him away, and it burnt me, so you'll get nothing, Doug, nothing. Zip. Stick it. But I will give a game ball, and, boy, I'd love to discuss this. I mean, I guess I'll discuss it with myself. DeMarco Murray, all of a sudden, out of the blue, after complaining about his carries, 20 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Now, 83 yards on 20 carries would have been a sock worthy performance had he still been in Dallas behind that offensive line. But the 20 carries is the big number here. Does that continue? Do they keep it up? Does Chip Kelly continue to feed the ball to DeMarco Murray? They got the win. Murray got in the end zone. Obviously, if my math's right, he averaged uh, right around four yards a carry. The end. I don't know. You know, Ryan Matthews touched the ball plenty. It's sort of the way that went. If I'm a DeMarco Murray owner, I'm feeling better. I think I'm going to need to see one more week of this before I trust him. But I think if he's going to see the ball 15 to 20 times a game, we're talking about an RB2. Not, not great for a guy you drafted as an RB1, but you can live with it you'll take it 83 yards and a touch happy with that every week There's 14 points. If you can get a little bit in the passing game. So game ball this week to DeMarco Murray, I just wonder what we're going to see going forward. If I had to predict, and I guess that's what I'm supposed to do here. I'm going to predict. We're not going to see a ton of this. This isn't the way chip Kelly works quite frankly, He's gonna work Ryan Matthews in. There's gonna be Darren Sproles games. So that's your that that's the question. I just don't know how often DeMarco's gonna get twenty carries. And I think what we've seen in order to put up any true big numbers, he's gonna to need to see that that type of workload. And I just don't know how often we're gonna see it. I'm hoping for it. I'm not confident of it. And so uh but but for one week, DeMarco Murray game ball. All right. Back to a big old smelly, nasty sock. Every single question on Sunday, each and, it, well, not each and every, but it felt like each and every question revolved around one of two players, three technically. One being the, the Denver running back situation, which I will devote no more air to time tonight, or this man, Booby Dixon. I, mean, I think a lot of it just because everybody wanted to write and say booby, quite frankly. So here you go. Booby, booby, booby. Everybody's happy, I hope. But he was the hot stuff. Hot waiver wire pickup. Guaranteed start. Everybody told you. Cheap option on, on FanDuel and on DraftKings. This guy's a must play. How about seven carries for 19 yards? Now, this game was a complete and utter boondoggle. <laughs> For both teams, I understand. LaShawn McCoy, limited per- participant in practice today. Don't know what his status is. Still think it's telling that he has said himself he's not coming back till he's 100%. If he's still limited in practice, I'm not sure how he can be 100% come Sunday. Carlos Williams still going through the concussion protocol. Kind of... Kind of a long time for that, so you start to worry about that. That could change any day now. So what do we do with old Booby 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 Booby? he comes back and he's the starter and he's the man here in week six, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to stay away. Going up against Cincinnati defense that, although they got they got run by Thomas Rawls, is a Pretty good defense, uh, above-average defense. And quite frankly, you're looking at E.J. Manuel as a starting quarterback. There, there, There's your answer. And unless it's LaShawn McCoy back and 100% healthy, if Carlos Williams comes back, I'm avoiding him. Booby, booby, booby. I'm avoiding him with E.J. Manuel at the helm. The success these secondary running backs has, have had in Buffalo in my opinion, is 100% attributable to what Tyrod Taylor's done. He is the one or two years of Michael Vick threat, the one year of Colin Kaepernick threat, the up until this year, Russell Wilson threat, where he's new, he's different, you don't know what he's going to do. He's being spied, he can get the ball downfield, he can take off and run. He's Doing so much to scare the defense that the running backs are having more success. That isn't gonna happen with E. J. Manuel. If I'm if I'm the coach, if I'm Marvin Lewis or I'm any coach going forward in any game that E. J. Manuel's the quarterback, I'm loading eight in a box and I'm daring E. J. Manuel to beat me. Come on, big boy. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I don't think I'm breaking any news. Breaking any ground here, but that's what i, I fully expect, so with Tyrod, then, who would have thought the success of all of this would revolve around Ty- Tyrod Taylor if we were having this conversation and in, in July you, you'd have uh, called up and told me to shut up, and when you may yet six four six four seven eight four six seven, nine if you'd like to tell me to shut up. But that's I think Tyrod Taylor is such a threat he allows these secondary options at the running back position to succeed. There's going to be no fear, EJ Manuel. So stinky sock to get back to it for booby 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 last week, and I think many a stinky sock going forward as long as Tyrod Taylor is not in the lineup. All right, how about Justin Forsett? Twenty-one a buck, twenty-one and a touchdown. That's two big games in a row. Now it's too bad running off running defenses in a row being the Steelers and being the Browns, two of the worst. Steelers statistically haven't been that bad. But believe me, they're vulnerable. It's a poor tackling team. They're bad in the front seven, quite frankly. The Browns are horrific. So here's the question, is for setback? I'm going to say yes, and here's why I'm going to say it. There's no weapons. Here's a secret. There's no weapons in Baltimore. None. Zippy. Zilch. There's nothing. Nothing there. Absolutely nothing there. Steve Smith may come back here in week six. That gives Joe Flacco one target. Aiken has done nothing. The rookie, Perriman, he's out for the year. Brown, nothing. He's got no weapons, and I think... Wow, uh, an improbable win, an unlikely win, an b- ugly win, and then a bad loss. The Ravens, without weapons, have found ways to keep it close with a bad defense. And the way of doing that is feeding the ball to Justin Forsett. I think you see them getting back to that. If they can keep a game close, ball control with Forsett, and he can reel them off, And in this case, six yards a carry, even four and a half, five yards a carry. I think the personnel and the struggles of this team have dictated that you have to give the ball to Justin Forsett upwards of 20 times a game. If you do that and you establish it, Justin Forsett will be successful. He's not going to average six carries a game every week. Again, again. Coming off a game, these two big games, coming off the Steelers and the Browns, two terrible run defenses. But you're going to face these two teams again, number one. You're going to face other bad run defenses, most notably this week in San Francisco. That's going to be the formula for the Ravens to stay in games. We can't get Wacko for Flacco anymore. That, That ship sailed. He doesn't have the horses. So Justin Forsett, I'm going to feel fairly comfortable And quite frankly, insist as a fantasy owner and as a football fan that you continue to give the ball, Harbaugh, to Justin Forsett 20 times a game. That's your opportunity to stay in games, keep games close. And he's a volume back. We talked about it early in the year when he's struggling. He's a volume back. These 12, 13, 14 carry performances and opportunities aren't enough. He's a volume guy. I think they hit the formula finally. They woke up in the absence of Kubiak and realized, oh, this is what we were doing. And um, Justin Forsett, game ball two weeks in a row. And and a lot to be said going, going forward. Stinky sock. Don't get to do this very often, although I think we will get to do it more and more as the season goes on. Peyton Manning, 22 for 35. 266, not terrible. Not what you expect when you draft Peyton Manning, but not awful. But how about no TDs and two picks? No TDs and two picks on an undefeated team and a team that's sitting 5-0, and doing it completely through defense. Two running backs who have completely crapped the bed and a quarterback who looks like he's 112 years old. And you wonder how he's getting the ball over the offensive line. This team just keeps on winning. Six TDs, seven interceptions through five games. Look, folks, this is as good as it's going to get for Peyton Manning. I know it's cliche, but this it's true. This is the time of year the weather's good. He's healthy. He's rested. This is the good Peyton Manning. This is the best Peyton Manning you're going to get. Now, frankly, he's too cerebral of a quarterback. He's too studied of a quarterback to have a lot of games where he has no touchdowns. And I think we talked about it in our predictions on the slant. I believed he would struggle, and the Raiders would keep that game close. And I think the score was closer than the game was. The Raiders were just never in any danger of scoring was a problem, but really able to hold Peyton Manning down. So you're not going to see zero TD, two interception performances a lot. But gone are the days of three, three three-and-a-half, and three touchdowns not who the guy is anymore. And it's a shame. I hate to see it. I hate to see it. Yeah, you know, We witnessed one of the beginning to end. You know, people of my age, of my generation, you know, this is one of the first guys we have seen beginning to end of a long storied career. It's just over for the guy. He's 39 years old. He doesn't have the arm strength. It's just not there for him. He's got the horses around him. And look, Emmanuel Sanders putting up numbers, big numbers. Demarius Thomas is putting up Demarius Thomas-like numbers week in and week out. Excuse me. But it's just not translating. Old stinky sock Peyton Manning. And I think this could be the first of many to come. So on to the game balls as I uh, choked to death. This is a lot of talking. You got anything to add, Rick? Oh geez. <laughs> that, that's just
0: pathetic.
1: Crowd, Rick didn't appreciate you uh giving me a hard time there. So uh move on, game ball. This is this is an interesting guy here. I was trying to think of a classier, cooler term, but I came up with guy. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Eight catches, 139 yards, one touchdown. One of the coolest catches you're ever going to see. I'm not going to call it one of the greatest because, quite frankly, it was dumb luck. But one of the coolest catches you're ever going to see. Gary Barnage. Big game. The second week in a row. Third week of the season. He had big weeks. I think this cat might be the real deal. I think in this offense, in an offense with very, in weapons, you got a deep threat in, in Travis Benjamin. You don't have much you know, Hawkins, you, no, nobody inspiring around him. Barnage, a good set of hands. McCown, a quarterback, able to utilize that type of player. Somebody good hands underneath, who can make plays. I think seven to 10 receptions each and every week is a likelihood for this cat. And, and in a PPR league, that's big. So, now, game ball and going forward, <clears throat> this guy's still available on a lot of waiver wires. None if you're in a knowledgeable league, but a lot of waiver wires. You can get your hand on this cat. If you're carrying around Jimmy Graham, I'm going to throw his name out there. If you're carrying around Jimmy Graham and you snipe Barnage off the off the waiver wire, Barnage is your start. Now, always be wary and, and always be aware uh, any given week, the Browns being the Browns could put up about 72 yards of total offense and it's going to crush everybody. But that AFC North isn't what it was defensively, save for the Bengals, who are, are good but not great. The Steelers are bad. The Ravens are bad. You got a lot of opportunities there for them to move the ball and score some points. I don't know how many wins they're going to get. And they had a nice win for them last week. I think Barnage has the ability going forward to to keep this up. All right, one stinky sock here, and then uh, my end of the show weekly rant, and uh, I'll let you get on with your Wednesday night. So last stinky sock, who's it going to be? so many to choose from. Uh, let's give it to Amir Abdullah. Here's a guy based on two plays in the preseason – Moved himself up into the fourth round. Exciting player. Exciting to watch. Things are such a mess in Detroit right now. Amir Abdullah 6 carries, 17 yards. But the big, big stat is he only had one catch in that embarrassment against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. This guy, if given the ball, could put up numbers. He tends to put the ball in the carpet, which I think is uh, limiting his opportunities. He's so dynamic when he gets the ball in his hands. He's exciting. He's a guy you want to put in that flex spot. He was built for your flex spot. I think he's a guy you got to stay away from. Big old smelly sock this week. Just nasty one. What Rick always talks about onions and garlic and burying it or something. Yeah, what all that nonsense Rick says. You give it to him this week, but going forward, this is a guy you got to avoid. And quite frankly, you got to avoid this Detroit situation. You know, we can give another stinky sock to Stafford, 20 for 32, a buck 88, a touchdown and three picks and go. basically at halftime, which I think was the right move. And I'm stunned by all the, this debate of should, should Caldwell have done that? Of course he should. The guy was getting killed. The guy was making horrific decisions. Sometimes you don't sit him down long term. He's trust Rolovsky or Solsky or Solsky, whatever the hell the guy's name is. Here comes the IJ jerk again uh, at Asylum Football if you want to tweet that to us there, Jag. But that guy isn't your long term solution. You're paying Matt Stafford 100. You 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 gotta keep fortunate, but you gotta get him out of that game but it's crushing everybody. Calvin Johnson has been bad. Only average, only one TD this year. He's only averaging 64 yards a game. Terrible, terrible for Calvin Johnson. It all comes back to Matt Stafford and Abdullah's inability to keep the ball off the carpet. So stinky suck there. And he's a guy you got to sit down. I know any time he can pop off, and bust a law one, and and that's exciting and it's intriguing. Especially as we get into bye weeks, you can't do it. You, you got to back off. You got to – Calvin Johnson's a guy you got to get in your lineup every week, but but he's going to kill you uh, a lot of times until they can get this thing worked out. So stinky sock, basically to to all of the Detroit lines. I am in Detroit, but I don't want to give a city the uh, sock city. They may it. But uh, we won't go there if you're listening to Mr. Farrell. So five minutes in the show, something I want to talk about real quick. Something that got a lot of run on Twitter, but never mentioned really nationally on any of the news shows. You know, no reaction from the league. Was sort of a throwaway comment the sideline reporter made on Monday night about uh, – D'Angelo Williams losing his mother to breast cancer in the off season, which is very topical in the month of October as, you know, that's the NFL's Breast Cancer Awareness Campaign, Breast Cancer Awareness Month you know, across the country. And the NFL, big participant in that. And sort of a throwaway comment where in discussing why D'Angelo Williams uh, has pink hair, basically, is the fact that he had gone to the league asking if he could display some type of pink in honor of his mother beyond October. And the league told him no. Now, I don't have to tell you the reasons that's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's obscene. And here's what it's about. The league makes a ton of money off that pink gear. A ton of it. And this time of year, you look in the stands at every NFL stadium. Men, women, children, everybody's got the pink hat or the pink jersey or something. And it's a great thing because a good percentage of that I'm certain is going to breast cancer awareness. I assume the Susan G Komen gimmick. But to tell a player that beyond that time, the point being the NFL can still profit off of it. They're still profiting off this merchandise. Whatever percentage they're giving away to the to the cause, to the charity. The NFL is still profiting off of it. And then to tell a guy, beyond this point, we're going to be socially conscious and socially aware up November 1st, and then we don't do it anymore, and you're not going to do it either. And why is it? Why is it? It's because there they can't profit on it. Because then at that point, these teams are going back to wearing, for one week, their throwback jerseys and their regular jerseys, That's what the league is trying to market, and you can't risk have anybody look any different as it might affect the marketability of their standard merchandise. It's ridiculous, it's sickening, it's obscene. I understand there has to be limits. We can't be to the point where these guys are wrapping themselves or or wearing weird socks. Or I, I get it, there needs to be uniformity to a point. But this is form over function. This is dollars over common sense, and more importantly, dollars over common decency. So I have this discussion prepared. And then I read this afternoon a tweet from Cam Hayward, defensive lineman for the Steelers, if you're not aware. Craig Ironhead, Hayward's son, who died of cancer recently. Cam Hayward was fined by the NFL today. And if you haven't heard about this, here was his crime. Here's what the league deemed worthy of taking money out of this man's pocket. He had the I black stickers on for the Monday night game. The one on his left cheek said iron. The one on his right cheek said head. Iron head. Honor of his father who died of cancer. Although this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I think this makes everybody aware of everyone in their lives who has battled cancer. The NFL fined Cam Hayward for this. This today issued a fine for having your father's name on eye in a in a job where he's wearing a helmet. Where if Monday Night Football hadn't pointed it out, if they hadn't taken a close still picture of it, nobody would even known about it. Why? Explain this to me. Uh, yeah, I saw a great uh, meme or whatever you GI whatever you call those things on Twitter where somebody doctored it up and said, well, yeah, that's a problem, but it would have been all right. And on one side, it said FanDuel, and on the other side, it said DraftKings. That would have been all right with the NFL. But you find a man during Breast Cancer Awareness Month For writing the name of his father, who, by the way, is a football legend, a college football legend, and a really good NFL player, a man who was part of the fraternity, who died of cancer, you had his name written in about two-inch letters on some eye black, and you deem that worthy of a fine? The league has gotten so far out of touch. Things have gotten so far out of hand. We talked about all the stuff with the Daily Fantasy. I actually believe I talked about that on the Fantasy Sports Network show. I talked last week about the slippery slope of the in-game, the stadium experience for NFL being so untenable that elite teams are having trouble selling out stadiums. We've talked in the past about the gladiator-type nature of the NFL and how long before it goes the way of the Dodo Bird when they have to when they realize they have to take a lot of the violence out of the game for me this is one more chip if you, if you if you ever cut down a tree with an axe you know it's one more chop one more chunk of that wood coming out this league has gotten so profit hungry and i got no problem with profits you can go out there and make yours because there's a lot of people rich off of what the nfl does and that's a good thing and that's a good thing but it's gotten so about profit so about uniformity So about swinging their joints around, poor phrase, but that's what they're doing. There's no room for common sense. There's no room for common decency and it's one more chop. One more chop for the NFL. I don't know if in my lifetime, but eventually running themselves certainly out of the top spot, if not completely out of business. Just absolutely absurd. Roger Goodell, whoever made this decision, shame on you. Shame on And I pray you never go through what D'Angelo Williams or what Cam Hayward had to go through. I pray you don't, because clearly you have no insight. You have no consciousness of what it's like to be a human being because you're out there trying to sell damn merchandise. Shame on all of you. It's disgusting. And it's one more chop out. It's one more chop. Well, that's it. I feel better. Thanks for letting me get that off of my chest. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully, we can get Rick back here real soon as he's doing the back the backstroke. Hopefully, it's done now in that uh, Scrooge McDuck vault. Everyone who listens, check us out. Uh, fantasy sports dot com. Saturday, one o'clock Eastern, replayed at nine o'clock Eastern. Cablevision channel one forty seven and lots of cable networks, uh, Canada and along the Eastern Seaboard. Check your local listings. Sunday morning, ten o'clock Eastern. Right here, Blog Talk Radio, Asylum Fantasy Sports dot com. There's the inside slam. Get your questions in now at Asylum Football. Asylum Football Gmail dot com. And hey, check out Asylum Football. Dot, Asylum Sports.com. Check out the network. We've got the Bull Rush Podcast, Fantasy Sports Ranch, Fantasy Football Consistency, the Mad Science Sports. Great shows each and every night. Check them out. Tell a friend. Until Saturday, Sunday, or next Wednesday. I'll see you.
0: I'm a top and drop a tailgate. Yeah, we're cracking up. ACTC, I ain't George Joy straight. Where's the girls? I call them up. A little thug and drop some hay trouble. What's up? It's going down at night. Now they're going to got jacked up trucks. The slab covered in mud. I'm top and daisy dupe down. Been out, singing, been and I'm a singing out down the, side of the, the, group, the in the dump, broke, so we hang out by the, the good old boys having a time. we it up, get light, it down.